Uh, welcome again to Canterbury Gardens Community Church. My name is Shabu, if you haven't heard that already. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, we say this most Sundays, if you're a skeptical to the Christian faith, maybe you're a follower, maybe you are just a weary saint. It has been one of those weeks, months, and it's early February and you're tired. Whoever you are, my prayer is that as we meditate on Psalm 46, you'll be encouraged um, and stirred to love God more. Uh, if you've been following the preaching calendar, you would have heard that uh, Dan Patterson was meant to be here. Dan is uh, starting to become a really good friend of mine, but also he works with Ravi Zachariah's International Ministries. He was planning to come here this morning, uh, but sadly a close family member passed away, and so he had to be home uh, today. So yeah, we're already talking about him coming later in the year, so he will be back, um, but do pray for Dan and his family. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had one of these kind of moments uh, where you turn on the TV, uh, you might even, uh, t- I don't know if you turn on TVs these days, but apparently, I'm just saying that, okay, we do that, you might live stream, or you might stream your favourite news channel, and you hear things, you hear about the tragedy of the bushfire, you hear things as the coronavirus is being spread, you hear about wars, and rumours of wars. You might see an American president give a State of Union address or another politician. And there's something that stirs in you and there's this sort of um, pressure that builds up and you have a moment of going, things seem a bit chaotic. And maybe there are some of us who are just like, that's over there, I'm not really concerned about that, but there are personal things going on. You hear the news that a loved one has passed away. You also know the chat that you're about to have with the boss next week at work. And you're quite anxious and nervous about that. There's also the reality of health scare that happens. Or you see someone you dearly love and care for. And you see them going through trial and suffering. And there's something that happens in our hearts. It's like a pressure mounding and building up. And in that moment, we may say things like, God, where are you? God, are you really here? Are you really present in this moment? See, um, in the psalm that was read to us, it's really a song. And what we're going to do is meditate on this song. And don't worry, I'm not going to sing. And we're going to consider some of the truths in here. With that in mind, let me pray. Father, we come before you this morning... We ask that you cause our hearts, whoever we are, to be still. Would you reveal more of yourself to us? In the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Now, this psalm is a song, you will see that in your Bible right up the top. It says it's a psalm, it's a song, it's uh, written according to the tune of Alameth, which means most probably a tune that they would have used for the musicians who would have been singing this. Uh, some argue this might have been a song as the Israelites went into war, they might have done, this is their war song that they would have sung because of the kind of language that's in there. Either way, the, the question here, whether if you are a skeptic or a follower, is to kind of confront your hearts to say, hey, actually there is a God. And you need to take this seriously and consider the truths in front of us. And this morning I want us to consider three things. One, God our refuge, strength and help. Two, God who is in our very midst. 
And finally, be still and know that he is God. Have a look at verses 1 to 3 with me for a moment. I want you to consider for a moment the original hearers, most probably Jewish uh, hearers, were listening to this or maybe they would have heard it sung or they would have sung it themselves. It's in this moment uh, they feel there's a lot of insecurity going around them. You've got to remember, this is a nation of Israel. They would have had enemies surrounding them. And there's this constant threat of war. Along with that, you read the stories of Israel and there's things like famine and disasters that happen. And it's this moment where the, the, the singers are singing. When that moment is to kind of stir someone to go, Oh God, are you there? And it's the first verse in this passage in front of us to say, Hey, listen. Listen as you sing. Our supreme God. That's the language of using that word God. It's not just what we say. It is our supreme God. The God who is our refuge and strength. Why? It's there in front of us. We can have confidence. We do not have to fear. The language here is for a Jewish person as they're listening and singing this. It's kind of like rewinding back and saying, hey, we know this. Our God himself has shown himself faithful over and over again, generation after generation. And this is where the psalmists, as as they write this song, they use really powerful language where they say, if the earth gives way, if the mountains are moved, it's like saying if the mountains are moved, someone grabs them physically and plops them into the sea. If the oceans roar and foam, the mountains treble at the swelling. This dramatic language is like if you're singing this really powerful song, it's like saying, hey, even if you look at the mountains around you and maybe if you hear the oceans far away crashing against a rock, the author is asking the question, where will you run? Where is our confidence? And the confidence is, where will you find your true confidence. What do I mean by that? In the God who is our refuge and strength and help. This is the call. This is a call to the people of Israel. This is where you need to find your confidence in. Uh, it's this moment where the psalmist is saying, hey, we want you to take refuge. We want you to take run, take shelter. Because he is the strength. He is the one who is strength, who helps his people. He's the one who enables you to keep going. Whether if that is when you cry out to him, you can find hope in him. And he's the one who actually sustains you in the various seasons of life. You know what I love about this? The picture that's given to us, it's not an Instagrammable kind of picture. Do you know what I mean by that? If you have Instagram, you know, we we position ourselves perfectly around the coffee table, the right picture, filters, and life looks awesome. See, the the passage says life is not going to be awesome. Here what we have is a real raw picture. I mean, the picture here is given that even the very creation itself is in chaos. It's a reminder that we live in a broken world. It's a world that is in chaos. 
But for those of us who know God, when this happens, because it will happen, the psalmist is saying, the psalmist is singing and calling people to sing, run, take your refuge and your strength in God. The one whose very presence is not far away. That's the language here. He's very present in the midst of that chaos. He truly is our helper. Friends, if you do not know this God, you may look around the chaos in the world and consider why is there no God. But friends, there is a God. That's the whole point. As creation groans, you may hear the oceans roar. You may even hear mountains trembling. It's a reminder to you and I, as this chaos is happening, you and I are not God. And you and I have the temptation to find our refuge and strength in anything else but God. But we will not find refuge and strength. Because there's a deeper refuge and strength you need to find that your soul will only find in God himself. And friends, if you know God, when you hear about the rumors of war, when you hear and see the tragedy that's happening in the bushfires, when you hear and read reports of the coronavirus, when you have that moment when you hear that a loved one that you care for has terminal illness, in that moment where you may lose your job, in that moment where does our heart find refuge? Where does our heart find strength? Our heart has been wired to find true refuge and strength in God the one who is our refuge and strength. God is saying, run to him. You know, in pastoral ministry, one of the greatest joys and privileges, and I call it a joy and privilege, and it happened to me this week, when I visited someone who lost their mum, and in the hospital, we're we're standing around uh, the person's body, uh, and this lady had been part of our Canterbury family for a long time. Now, I didn't know her, uh, but there are people in our church who know her. And what happened was this, this moment where the family is just sharing stories of what this woman was like. You know what? She's an evangelist. At any moment, even in seasons of retirement, in a nursing home, she was sharing the love of Christ. And this family, it was a hard and horrible time as they wept. They shared stories of joy because their mum is with the Lord. I mean, there are other times and moments where it feels for some people, it literally feels that the mountains have been moved. It literally feels that there's roaring and foaming, both in their own hearts and the world around them. There are circumstances that feels like trembling and swelling, and they constantly say in those moments, sometimes even in moments of tears streaming down their face, they say, Shabu, God is my refuge and strength very present help in trouble. Friends, this is why the Christian God is not like any other God. See, other gods will proclaim lots of things, but they are empty. They will not provide refuge and strength. The God of the Bible is the only God. His very presence is not some distant thing. He's right in the mess and the muck of it. He's right in the middle of the storm. And to understand that further, this is why verse 4 and 7 unpacks for us the God who is in our midst. Have a look at it with me. 
verses 4 and 7, it's a picture that is in contrast what's going around for people of Israel around in that world. Here, the language of the city of God, it's a powerful picture. It's a picture of what is to come. It's a picture of the Jerusalem that people are yearning for. They're wanting the city to be a city of peace. But it's a language where God is saying God is right in the midst of it. God is right there in the presence. This language of rivers flowing in verse 4, uh, it could either be immediately the reality of making channels for irrigation and for the crops, but on a very more spiritual, deeper level, it's talking about what is the picture that was in the garden, where the rivers floor, flew, where God, his presence was there. It's pointing back to a time where everything was perfect at peace, depicted in Genesis 2. See, this is image here. Is as chaos is happening, as the things around you are cum- crumbling, it's a reminder God is not distant. God is right in the middle. He's made his place. His presence is there. And this is a picture that when God is there, there is peace. When God's presence is there, there is peace. And for the people of Israel, there was this constant storyline but they would forget God's presence, they would ignore him. And there was not peace. Enemies would take over. And here in this picture is saying that they're yearning for this kind of peace. That even though the nations threaten us, they call threats out to us. They say there is no God. But for the people of Israel, this song is to say, hey, remember. Remember who is your king, who truly is king, the Lord most High, the one who is in your midst. What it's saying to the Israelites for a nation that was surrounded by false gods, for nations that had false gods that were far away, Israel saying, No, our God makes his home amongst us. And you know what? Calamity may come. And you see the story of the nation of Israel, calamity came. The amount of time they were taken over by other countries. But in verse 5, did you see it, what God promises? There's a time coming when morning dawns. It's a picture of new mercies. It's a picture of new starts. But it's also a picture echoing what is to come. An ultimate peace that is to come. A day that is to come. As I've been thinking on this psalm for a little bit in verse 6, has really stood out to me. Did you see that? The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. I'm assuming you don't use that kind of language at home. It's a pretty old kind of language. But what's going on here is a carrying on from the previous verses. It's a picture that whether if there's a nation strong and they're raging, they're ready to fight... Or whether if they're a nation that's crumbling. Either way, in that moment, as we see these things happen, it's a reminder of something. That they are not in control. That the God of the universe is. Now, let's be honest a little bit. This seems a little bit distant, right? And quiet old little killsife. Okay? The worst noise your neighbor might give is the dog barking. Or your neighbor might do the, the noise of, you know, like, 
playing German music, folk music, out loud there through their window on a sunny day. Maybe that's just my neighbour. Um, but, but the language here is, is, it seems a bit rare, but actually it actually still happens. You know what it looks like? It's when nations and leaders beat their chest to declare how powerful they are. It's when nation leaders proclaim of all the things that they have achieved and done. It's when dictatorships flash their military power and might for the world to see. It's when groups cry out that the Christian faith will die. Verse 6 reminds you and I, God utters. Now, a better way to put it, is God does a thunderous shout. And in his thunderous shout, the language here is a king at war, thundering a command, and earth itself melts away. In verse 7, we see the reason why. Because the Lord of hosts, or another way to put it, the Lord of armies, The Lord of heaven's armies is on our side. It's a declaration for Israel. It's a reminder to them God is with them, that this is our God, our God of Jacob. We are his people. He's our refuge and fortress. This is the Lord who is king. This is the Lord who is warrior. This is the God who is the defender. It is a wonderful image that God is right in the midst of all of that. God is the one who enters the battle, unlike any other king. Friends, I don't know about you, where does your heart go and my heart go? And this is speaking to those of us who know Christ. When we hear the latest threat to the Christian faith, where does our heart and mind go when different religious groups boast that they will wipe out Christianity? You know what? They might wipe out the Christian faith. They can't wipe out God. And friends, these verses are for you and I to bring comfort. That God is not only the one who's in control, the God is the one who enters the battle. This God is one who's in charge of all political systems, all social agendas, and God has a vision. And the vision that he's declaring is for a city that is to come. And where he is the center, the focus. That there is a living, breathing presence And it's a moment for you and I, when you and I hear the things that we might see and read on the news, to be quiet, to consider who is in charge. Even though the world may rage and totter, God is saying, I'm in the midst. The Lord of heaven's army is with us, whether in trial or maybe even facing death itself. God is our fortress. Because you know what? If God opened his mouth, this world would just completely end if he chose to. He is in charge. This is the God who is in our midst. Now, I know, I don't know about you, but for me, it's easier to sing about these things. It's easy to meditate on these things on Sunday. And then Monday comes. I mean, I remember a few years ago when uh, the terrible ISIS caliphate happened 
I remember seeing all the news images and things. It was horrible. And I had this moment of going, oh my word, Lord, where are you? I was chatting to someone from Open Doors who deal with persecuted Christians. And they were telling me recently, you know what? If you talk to any of those people who fled, they are so thankful because it's opened the door for the gospel. And many people are coming to Christ. As a follower of Christ and now as a pastor and minister, there is a bill in the parliament currently that's going to be debated. And if it passes, there'll be certain things apparently I'm not allowed to say. I've been told what God has already told me I need to say. It's in his word. But I've got to confess to you, there's moments where I'm like, ooh, that gardening job looks good. In that moment, friend, I'm forgetting who is in charge. And you know what's the, what's the solution? How do we gaze away from what's happening right in front of us? The psalmist says, by looking back. See, in verses 8 to 11, this is an invitation to the people of Israel. This is an invitation to you and I to say, Behold the works of the Lord. This is an invitation to the people of Israel, the people who are godly and wise, discerning and reflecting and considering, yep, all this stuff is happening around me, but remember, let's look back on what God has done. Let's look back at his exploits. The language here is really kind of war language, but God is saying, in a military sense, look at what I've done. And time and time again in the life of Israel, you'll see God rescuing them, not with big numbers sometimes, the littlest of numbers. I remember this is the so- a song, right? This is the point of the song where there's a strong build-up and there's an invitation to the reality that even in the midst of that, God actually has a purpose and a plan. That God himself is involved to maybe even bring desolation so that ultimately he can bring peace. And this is the God who will bring peace. This is the God who will destroy the weapons of war. For the people of Israel, it's a picture that God will be the one that will ultimately bring victory. And God's plan has always been to bring peace. God's plan is always to cease all the wars. And this is why we have this picture of a city. Sounds really uh, unfamiliar to some of us, but it's a picture of a city that is to come. Where God's very presence is there. That there's rivers flowing. It's, it's a picture of life flowing out. Where wars are ceasing. And this is where the psalmist, I think, is pointing to the future that is to come. Friends, I don't know about you. Whether if you're a follower of God or a skeptical, don't you yearn for peace? Don't you yearn for a day when it all stops? See, in that moment, for you and I to have such a vision and stirring, whether if you don't even believe in the existence of God, maybe there's lots of noises going on, there's a reason why we don't see this picture often. See with me what the people of Israel are called to in verse 10. Why don't we see when there's lots of things going on in the world? Why can we not hear what is truth? Look in verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. Another way to put it, the language is pretty strong here, is to say, stop your striving, Israel. 
and recognize who God is. This is a command, both to the nations of Israel who are wanting to war against. And God is saying, listen, stop, be still. I am God and I will be exalted among the nations. Friends, the language is so strong here. This is not like a 99.9% he might be. 100% it will happen. I don't know if you've ever felt overwhelmed, worried and anxious and fear stirs up in you. And particularly in 2020, I think one of the arts that we've forgotten is the art of doing nothing. Maybe some of us do too much of that. But on a spiritual sense, the Bible is saying your soul is restless. Maybe because you and I need to be still. Maybe you and I need to be still and recognize who God is. How many of us are feeling the weariness in our souls and hearts for the various things in our lives? And that's the reality, right? I don't know if this has ever happened to you. You go on a holiday, you sit at the beach, you listen to the ocean, and this is a moment where you go, your soul is yearning for rest. What about, there are some really crazy people who think this is a holiday, where they climb a mountain and hike it. I don't get that, but apparently they do that. And they take a photo of it. And they say, oh, it's a moment of going, oh, I'm not the boss. It's a heart perspective change. God is saying, hey, guess what? All those things are wonderful, but guess what? There's someone who created all those things. And he's calling to you and I to be still and know that he is God and he will be exalted among the nations. It's a moment for you and I to say, God, I'm not God. You are. So this is an invitation to both the restless souls and maybe even the arrogant kings. To be still, to know that he is God. Friend, I'm telling you, if you don't know this Jesus, the God of the Bible is not some apathetic cosmic being. He, do, he doesn't just sort of reveal himself in that way. No, he reveals himself and always has and always will as the king as the one who rules and reigns, which means if you and I reject that call, there is eternal consequences for that. Yet this God, this king, even though he reigns and rules, doesn't avoid struggle, doesn't avoid suffering. He sends his one and only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who the New Testament would declare as Emmanuel, God with us. The one who comes into the chaos, into the midst of our chaos. The one who had moments where creation himself was warring and he would say, be still. The one who went into battle against the greatest enemy of our soul. That is sin and death. Because your rejection and my rejection and Jesus' battle strategy is to take your place and my place on a cross. This king gives himself up. This king says to you, even today, 
Do not worry. I am God. I am in charge. Maybe this morning he's calling you to be still and know that he is God. And because what he has done, there is ramifications for that. You know what? Jesus doesn't say if you follow him, everything will be fine. Far from it. It's quite the opposite, actually. To pick up the cross and follow him. But you will know that he can be your refuge and strength in whatever season. And this is why God has exalted him to the right hand of the Father the New Testament writes. We are calling you and asking you to find true refuge, true rest in him. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, you may have memorized this passage. You may even have it on your screensaver on your phone. You maybe have sung this song, but I'm asking you and me what's causing our heart and our mind to lose focus on what is true. What's causing our hearts to not focus on the reality that Jesus is God, that He is our refuge and strength and our very present help in trouble. Jesus is the one who says to you and I, the one who's Emmanuel, God with us, the one who didn't stay far away, but who came to dwell amongst us, the one who the disciples, fishermen who understand the sea, were captivated with such fear that Jesus, God, says, shh, be still, and rebukes the wind. This Jesus, who left the refuge of his Father to be forsaken on our behalf. This King, who doesn't just sit there back, he fights for you and I. This King, who utters the greatest words that has ever uttered in history, to reality to melt the very hardness of our hearts to say, it is finished. And this Jesus says, if you have faith in him, He will never leave you, never forsake you. Because guess where his dwelling place is now? In you, through the Holy Spirit. Friends, I think sometimes in our modern day we are so feeling overwhelmed and that's the reality. And I don't think it's some sort of lack of faith thing. It might be simply because you and I have forgotten the art of being still. To reflect on the reality that God is in charge Maybe something we can learn to say is, God, you are God and I'm not. Because we know that in this life, Jesus never said life would be awesome. We were promised that we would face many trials and even temptations, and maybe for some of us it might be even death. But we have a Savior who says he can be our refuge and strength. Because you know what? Peace hasn't come in the sense of real peace. We have peace with him, we give our lives to him but God's idea of peace is still on his agenda up here on the screen as we finish there's this beautiful passage from Revelation 21 if you have your Bible you turn there I'd encourage you to be good for your soul see Psalm 46 speaks of a city Psalm 46 speaks of the streams of water Psalm 46 speaks of God's presence being in the midst Psalm 46 is pointing to a shadow of what is to come And John writes this in Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither there shall be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. And he was seated on the throne and said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Also he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said, I, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life that payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. I'll be his God and he'll be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Friends, Christ will come. He is coming. And if you are a follower of Christ, we can actually wait in hope. You and I can run to refuge in him. Seekers, we are calling you to turn to Jesus because there is consequences for your rejection of him. And for those of us who look at the things that are happening in the world and we say, God, where is the justice? Justice is coming. If justice does not come on this side of heaven, the Lord Jesus himself will make things right. The Lord of hosts is with us, followers of Jesus. The God of Jacob is our fortress in him. Be still and know that he is God. Let me pray. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. Father, we come before you to be still. Lord Jesus, our great King. For those of us who don't know you, reveal yourself to us. For those of us who are so troubled with many things in our lives, cause our hearts to be still this week. Maybe before we pick up the phone, check that email, return that call, help us to consider who is God. Friends, I know there are some of you right now are hearing the lie that God is not with you. That is a lie. Christ is with you, even in the storms. So Lord, help us as a church to be a church that constantly sees the world through your lens. And we pray, Jesus, for your return. We pray pray for your peace. Please, Lord Jesus, come. In your name. Amen.